0: The following Shi'ur is presented by Dayan Shlomo Cohen, Dayan in Bet Din, Ahavat Shalom in Yerushalayim, and author of Pure Money. For more Shi'urim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742.
1: Hello everybody, this is Rabbi Shlomo Cohen with the Shi'ur on Parshat Sheminih. In this week's parsha, we have all the kosher animals and the non-kosher animals, the kosher birds and the non-kosher birds. Well, not actually the kosher birds, with birds we're just told, the non-kosher birds. The kosher birds aren't told to us. We need a tradition to know that the bird is kosher. Some say that the special sign of a kosher bird is that it's not a bird of prey how do we know if it's not a bird of prey or not how do we know what the definition is of a bird of prey because of these questions as far as birds are concerned we only eat birds that we have a tradition to eat if we had only then would we be able to say that um, this is definitely a kosher bird and it's difficult for us today to rely on the signs which sold other signs in the Gemara that it's that it has a gizzard, that you can peel certain parts of it um, without going into all that. Today, for a bird to be considered kosher, we need to have a tradition that we eat it. When the first discoverers went to America and they found the turkey, there was a question, is this turkey a kosher bird or not? Are we allowed to eat it or not? It seemed to fulfill the requirements of a kosher bird. But in Europe, they'd never heard of it. For many years, in fact, the Badats would not, here in Israel, would not give a heshcher to Turkey. Because in Poland, they didn't eat turkey. They didn't have them there. Um, but now things have changed. Even turkeys people eat. But uh, there are a number of questions that still remain about other birds, pheasants, things like that, which... which uh, maybe do fill some of the criteria of a kosher bird, that some people still don't like to eat. Peacocks, are they kosher? Um, and so really the, 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 the simple halachah is that it's only birds that we have a tradition to eat that we do eat. The same applies with animals, that we need a tradition that we eat them. If we don't have a tradition, then we wouldn't eat them. The Gemara discusses a giraffe is the problem that we don't know where to shecht the giraffe along, along the whole length of its neck? That's not a problem. We know exactly, it doesn't make any difference where you shecht it. You just have to cut the esophagus and the tracheus for it to be a kosher shita. The problem is we need a tradition. The same thing applies with the buffalo. Some people don't eat buffalo because it doesn't, there was no tradition. Other people say, no, it's got the signs so we can eat it. It's got the signs of a kosher animal so we can eat it. Um, Anyway, I'd like to talk today more about the subject of fish. Fish, we're told, have two signs to be a kosher fish. One, it has fins, and the second one, it has scales. The Gemara and Masechet Khulin tells us that every fish that has scales also has fins. And so today... If even, if you, if you buy processed fish, as long as it's got a piece of the scales still stuck to it, even if you can't see the fins, you can presume that it's a kosher fish. Now, the Torah definition of scales needs to be understood. Some fish have scales which are embedded in the skin. One of the conditions for a kosher fish is that the scales come off easily. If the scales come off when it comes out of the water, that's good. That's also kosher, even though now you're looking at it it doesn't seem to have any scales on it. If someone, an expert, can recognize the type of fish that it is, even though right now it doesn't have scales on it, then you'd be able to eat it. Or sometimes there'd be scales left on in a few little places. Nevertheless, it's still kosher. Maybe it's a young fish that the scales haven't yet developed. Here too, someone who recognizes the type of fish knows what it is would be able to eat it. But what about some types of fish which have scales that are embedded into the skin, and they will not come off even if you easily at all. When we're scaling a fish, you can get the scales off very easily. You run a knife against the 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 way the skin, the scales are growing, and they will come off easily with a knife or by hand, with the back of a knife, not the sharp end of the knife. You just need to use the back of the knife or even with your hand in some cases. Those are kosher scales. But if the scales are embedded in the skin of the animal, like there are some sturgeon fish like that. The sturgeon is not a kosher fish. Some are without scales and some have embedded scales. Um, I'm told that uh, types of sharks which have... Uh, scales which are embedded in their skin these two are not going to be kosher and eels too types of eels that have scales but these scales are not easily removed and that's how they can be identified as being not kosher with a fish without scales only an expert who can recognize the fish and knows exactly what it is would be able to say that this is definitely a kosher type of fish or not Rabbi Moshe Feinstein-Paskin, that if you're dealing with fish that don't have scales on them, when you, when you serve them, when you see them, then they have to have rabbinical supervision all the time. From the time they are, they are fished to the time when they're consumed. There needs to be constant supervision, a double seal, or uh, even if it's not a double seal, a special seal that can be recognized would be needed um, to ensure that you're eating a kosher fish because the problem we have with fish is that once the scales have been taken off, there's no way of recognizing, especially and it's been cut up, there's no way of recognizing what type of fish it is. And so we have to be very careful when buying fish. If it doesn't have scales on, if you don't see the scales on it, then you need to be careful, you need to know what you're doing. You need either buy from a reliable kosher place, or um, we'll see later on that there are certain fish that we can identify, even if they don't have scales. For example, salmon. Salmon is the type of fish that you can recognize. There's no other fish that has that red look to it. And so you'd be able to buy salmon, a fillet of salmon, even if um, you couldn't see any scales on it. I'll get to smoked salmon later on, because there can be a bit of a problem. Another fish that is easily recognizable is trout. People who know trout, I personally don't think I could recognize a trout, I could recognize a salmon, but not a trout. But uh, I'm told that people can recognize a trout, um, it's also got a very distinctive colour which you can't um, which is, which is recognisable to people that understand some people are worried that maybe things are injected into the animals to make them look like salmon that certainly is a, something that could be a problem recently I understand there's been some salmon farming where the salmon didn't have a red enough colour and so they were giving them injections to make them red or feeding them on beetroot and things and and foods like that, which also caused the skin to be redder. So if that was true, and that was actually a danger with other the other fish could be treated like that to be made to look like a kosher salmon, then that would be a problem. And here too, then you would need supervision of a salmon. Um, but if you're going to a fish market, if you go to an open fish market. And you can recognise a fish there, and you can see that it's got scales on it, and you can test that the scales are easily removable. Then you can buy a whole fish from there and take it home and kosher it at home. The fact that it's been lying together with not kosher fish, octopuses and lo- octopuses and lobsters and crabs and things like that is not a problem because you just need to wash it off. Because remember, there's always a rule in kashrut is that only when things are hot is there a Serious transfer of taste. Of course, there's also a problem with cutting with knives, which can certainly be a problem if you're buying fish from a fish market and you want the guy who's an expert in filleting the fish to do that for you. Because the danger is that he's used, the knife that he's going to use to fillet the, the fish that you want is going to be the same knife that he used to cut up the non-kosher fish. And... With a knife, it's not like other types of utensils, because of the force that's used when cutting with a knife. So a thin, fine film of fat will always be stuck to the blade of the knife. The only way to get it off is with scrubbing with a steel wool or with some other very abrasive type of cleaning thing. Only then can you be sure that you've got off all the fat doubtful whether the guy in the fish shop is going to be prepared to do that for you. Um, And you'd also need to be careful of the cutting board. So what I know many people that do is when they want to buy fish from a non-Jewish fish shop is um, whole fish. They would go there with their own cutting board and their own knife and give it to the guy in the shop and ask him if he would do them a favor and cut the fish up using your stuff. Then there's no problem. I said I'd speak about smoked fish. Smoked fish is a question of not only is there a problem of what fish it is, there's also a problem of bishuakum. Right? We need a Jew to cook our food. A rabbinic injunction that was made that we shouldn't eat food that was cooked by a non-Jew. We need a Jew to take take a part in the cooking process, whether it's putting the pot on the fire or lighting the fire. Or other parts in the cooking process. A Jew needs to be there. Otherwise it's what's called Bishul Akum. So what about smoking? Can you buy smoked salmon? And rely on it because smoking isn't really cooking. So there's two types of smoking. There's cold smoking and hot smoking. Cold smoking, by the way, just, on, just, just this Shabbat I bought a, I bought a packet of uh, smoked salmon and I noticed that it said on it that it was cold smoked. It had a hexa with it. But it said on it that it was cold smoked. Cold smoking is not considered as cooking. So you'd be able to buy salmon that you can recognize as being salmon. As we said, salmon is a recognizable fish that was smoked in cold smoking. If it was hot smoked, then some consider that as cooking. And if that's cooking, then you, there's a question of Bishu Akum of whether a goy cooked it or not, okay? So that would be certainly a problem with having um, smoked salmon if it's been hot, hot smoked. By the way, I understand that most smoked salmon is hot smoked and not cold smoked, anyway. Tuna fish. There are types of tuna that are kosher and there are types of tuna that are not kosher. So when you're buying a tin of tuna fish, we have got a bit of a problem, because we've no idea what tuna's in there, is it a kosher one or a not kosher one? And therefore, tuna fish needs a good extra. Sardines, on the other hand, we recognise the sardine, even if we can't see the scales. Remember, we said that if it's a fish that we know has scales, even if they've fallen off, it does. If we can recognise the fish, which I think we can do with sardines, then the fish is still kosher. So there are rabbis that are lenient and say that you can buy tin sardines. The the non-Jews they don't um, they wouldn't want to embarrass themselves by selling a different type of fish when they say it's in pure olive oil. You can rely on the fact that it's in pure olive oil. And um, Rav Yitzchak Yosef actually writes it in his book that you could buy a tin of sardines that it says on them that they're in olive oil as long as you recognize the fish. Um, another problem with tuna fish by the way is that usually the tuna fish we buy has been steamed steam cooked steam cooked is cooking so also here there'd be a problem of Bishul Akum you need to know that there was a Jew that cooked it ok just one other thing a mackerel A mackerel loses its scales when it comes out of the water and there are other things that look like mackerels and therefore mackerel is a fish that needs supervision. What about Worcestershire sauce? Worcestershire sauce, that famous sauce, that very, very tasty sauce that people use for cooking um, is actually made with anchovies. Right, anchovies are kosher fish little kosher fish but it's actually made with anchovies so is that a fishy sauce what difference does it make of course we know we have to talk about this a little bit as well that we don't eat fish and meat together so can you put Worcestershire sauce on your hamburger or is that going to be having fish together with meat So the answer is that, and this is the way the OU actually looks at the whole question, is that seeing as the whole prohibition of fish and meat is a question of health. It's not a question of Kashrut. Of course, health is very important too. I don't know if we know today scientifically if they would say that there's a problem, uh, a health problem of having fish and meat together. I really don't know. But it actually doesn't make any difference because it's become such a tradition that's embedded in the jewish people that we don't have fish and meat together um that even if the doctors were to say that there's no problem with it i don't think that would make any difference to us so what's the separation that we need between fish and meat we don't eat the two together but there's not the same problems as with meat and milk that we need separate pans and pots um that doesn't apply with fish you can cook your fish either in a meaty pot or in a milky pot. As long as the pot is clean and there's no residue of meat or milk in the pot, I'll talk about uh, fish and milk in a minute. As long as there's no residue in the pot, you can certainly cook your fish in a meaty pot, as long as the pot is clean. If the pot is what we call an enabenyomol, that means it's not, been used for meat within the last 24 hours then you can even have cheese sauce on your fish if you have fish and milk together which like i said i'll talk about in a minute um, and if it's a benyomo then you wouldn't have cheese sauce on the fish but you could uh, you by eat, after eating the fish you're considered as being parroth and you don't have to wait six hours or however long it is you wait between meat and milk before you have a milky meal right even though you cook the fish in a meaty pot so The separation we have with, between fish and meat is just not to eat the two of them together. It goes no further than that. there's no problem of putting the dishwasher together. there's no problem of um, of, of cooking one, one in the pot of the other. You can have the same pot for meat and for fish, the same utensils for meat and for fish. What we do is after we 've eaten fish, we would wash our mouth out in some way before having meat on a on a friday evening that's always a good excuse to have a schnapps have a hard drink a a bit of whiskey or vodka to to clear out your mouth and get rid of the taste of the fish before you have the meat some people would just eat some bread some challah to clear out their mouth between the two so they're not eating the two actually together but there's no waiting between the two between fish and meat Everything you can just go straight ahead. Um, so that's fish and meat, right? And again, so Worcestershire sauce. Can you put Worcestershire sauce? Worcestershire Worcestershire Worcestershire, 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 Worcestershire sauce. Can you put it on your hamburger? The answer is yes, you can, because the small amount of anchovies that is in there is less than sixty. So it becomes enough. It's less than a sixtieth. Of the mixture. And therefore it becomes annulled. It's annulled in the sauce. And so now you can put the sauce. You can put the sauce on your hamburger. I must say. That there are people that won't do that. Um, Worcester Shores Denry doesn't come with a fish. A fish sign from the OU. Um, but sometimes It does. Maybe because there's a higher percentage of anchovies in the sauce. I really don't know. But generally, with sauce, you can have it together with meat or together with milk. Let's say a few words about fish and milk. Fish and milk is mentioned in the Bet Yosef. The Prima Gadim talks about not eating fish and milk together. Um, But even though it is mentioned once in in the Bet Yosef, The Beit Yosef didn't write it in the Shulchan Aruch. Of course, we all know, right? Rabbi Yosef Cairo was the one who wrote the Beit Yosef, and he also wrote the Shulchan Aruch as an abbreviated version of his Beit Yosef. And in the abbreviated version, he didn't write anything about fish and milk. And because of that, and not just because of that, many claim, the shach, the taz, Poskim that the whole world relies on, many claim that it's a printing mistake in the Beit Yosef. And it would actually seem that it is, because if you read where it says it's in the Beit Yosef, it's actually talking about fish and meat. And then suddenly it says fish and milk in the middle, and it refers you to somewhere else, where it's talking also about fish and meat, and carries on after it's talking about fish and meat as well. So it certainly does seem that there's a chance that this is just a printing mistake. And that's the opinion of the Shach and the Taz, and that's why amongst the Ashkenazim, they are not careful about... Um, fish and milk fish and milk fish and cheese they're not careful about it at all however Ravavadi Yosef says there's no such thing as a printing mistake in the Bet Yosef if you start worrying about printing mistakes then we can throw our whole Torah out the window there's no such thing as a printing mistake in the Bet Yosef if it says that it's meant to say that and so therefore we do need to be careful about having fish and milk together, um, and many Swadi people follow his ruling on that, and wouldn't have the two together. There are some that wouldn't, don't follow that ruling, and there's no reason to protest against someone who doesn't follow that ruling, because, as I said, there's um, a large body of rabbis that are saying that it's a printing mistake, and there's nothing to it. However, of course, a person should always follow the custom of the place where he's come from. And certainly the custom amongst the Svadim is to keep separation between fish and milk. Um, I'd like to wish you all a good week and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halacha Center. The Center is committed to advancing research and application of halacha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakhic consultation, Monetary din Services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halacha Journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at theshc.org to subscribe.